0: Kelly Harris, mum of one and twinkle TikTok whiz, tells us all about her parenting experience as a member of the LGBTQI community, feeling judged as a parent, social media and her top tips for sensory play. Enjoy. (music) Hi Kelly, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, thank you for having me. Uh, So you have a little girl aged three, is that correct?
1: I do indeed, yes.
0: Okay, so I like to start every interview with the same question, mainly to help myself feel better about my parenting fails or funny parenting moments. So could you start (laughs) us off by telling us a little bit about A funny parenting
1: moment so far. I'm sure as your daughter's three, you've got many. Yep, there are many. Um, But the one that stands out uh, the most is the uh, key incident, the car key incident. Um, So I had my niece who was about one at the time and my daughter was about six months. Oh no, she was about one and a half. And I decided Mm. to take them for a quick evening dog walk before my, my sister picked up her daughter. So we went to the park. The gate was closed, so I had to park outside and um I was getting the dog in the car, I got Lola all strapped in, she was a little baby, and then I got my niece strapped in and she was being really fussy, so I gave her my car keys and she was clicking the button on and off, and I went, right, that's it. I grabbed the car keys and I chucked them on the front seat. I closed her door, I closed Lola's door, and I went to get into the front seat to start driving and the car was locked and i just went into absolute panic mode and i was like you know opening the doors of course my bag my handbag was also in the car at the time So everything, my mobile phone, my car, and I had no spare keys and it was getting dark. And I literally, luckily, there was a row of houses on the road that I parked on. And I literally ran to the first house, knocked on the door like a crazy lady was going, please help me. (laughs) I've locked my children in the car and my child is breastfed and she needs milk and she needs me and she's crying and uh i i rang 999 and the fire brigade came they took them about 15 20 minutes from the you know from the moment i knocked on the door but that felt like the longest time in my life and um of course because i didn't have a spare key they had to smash the window um and i was literally beforehand whilst i was waiting for them i I, I was singing like some demented woman, "Twinkle, twinkle, little star, through the window." But whilst, but I was also so anxious and worked up that I was heaving and and almost being sick. So I was like, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was such a uh, yeah, uh, a unique experience and one I would. Um, i rather never have experience but it's a learning curve so to any parents oh. out there if you think giving your children keys to play with while you're getting things ready <laughs> do not do it apparently I looked it up and apparently it's very common it's one of the highest things on the RAC's list of things that they go out to is children locking themselves into the car in their car's
0: oh how was she how did she react
1: well i mean i had the dog the baby and you know a one and a half year old in the car and they were all quite calm and fine well, but they, just, yeah until like it started getting dark and it it was about an hour all in all and she was yeah. really crying and I, I just felt so helpless holly, holly my niece was also crying but she wasn't of an age where she could undo her belt and go and get the keys she didn't understand we were all like go yeah. holly take your belt off go get the oh. keys but oh. she was just looking at us as if to say okay <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um yeah i i uh oh i felt so terribly bad and and uh, I d- yeah, I just couldn't believe it happened really. But if it was going to happen to anyone, it would happen to me. <laughs> there are plenty Honestly, of more stories like it.
0: Oh, no, I'd have to uh, pick your brains about some of the other ones. I think the trials that we have to go through as mothers, I mean, that's just a day in the life of, isn't it? It's just.
1: It, it, parenting is very much a suck it and see experience. Yeah,
0: yeah, you do really have to live it and then hopefully just not beat yourself up too much after.
1: No, and you One know what? I think the I the best thing to do is to talk about it with other parents because sometimes we feel like we can't talk about these experiences because people will judge us. But actually when you start telling people, they're like, oh, yeah, I did that or that happened to us. And then suddenly you go, oh, it's not just me. Other people make mistakes too. And then it kind of puts yeah. you at ease. It really does. And I think that's the intention
0: of this podcast particularly to just – Feel like we're all in it together and feel like we're all in the same boat and there's no judgment and there's no you know coming up against each other it's just a sharing of the ridiculousness <laughs> is, is sometimes parenting exactly um, would you what I loved we chatted last week didn't we and what I absolutely loved about our chat was what an open book you are and I also loved how indeed you did talk about your life story and your parenting experience with such um, in such a sort of candid and <laughs> unconcealed way which I really truly loved and um, I'm just wondering if we can sort of hit the ground running with this interview and if I can ask you about um, your parenting experiences through the lens of um, being part of the LGBTQI community so sure. if you wouldn't mind talking about Perhaps how you identify your journey and then maybe lead us into how perhaps you talk about this with your daughter.
1: Yes. So um, basically, I came out of the closet uh, when I was about 24. Um, Before that, um, I was very much wanting to go down the society route, what was expected, because the times were quite different. Then, even back uh, when I was young um, and there wasn't much representation around um, so it wasn't something that you saw on the TV or just within your family and friends you know having um, role models of, of couples same-sex couples having a family so it didn't even seem like an option and I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a mum and and so I kind of settled down and tried to do that, and it didn't work. Um, and I looked at my life, and I thought, actually, I think this might be who I am. And I explored that, um, and then, and then it was like, ah, <laughs> I want a family. How's this going to work? <laughs> um, and I feel absolutely privileged and and really lucky to live in in a country where. You know, gay people are accepted. Um, and even though there are struggles um, compared to the situation around the world, I find myself in a very lucky position. Um, and indeed, I was also lucky with the friends and family around me um, at the time who were very accepting and very excited about the prospect of me having a family and not thinking that that was going to set us back too much, which was lovely um, because as parents will know it's it's so much better when you've got family and friends on board by your side Uh, but of course it's not (laughs) always that straightforward um you know as a man meets woman they decide they get married and they have a family and they start trying and that's not to say that it is easy for every heterosexual couple because um that is not the case Um, but there's obviously different difficulties that the lgbtq plus um community faces um so when i met my partner um who i decided to settle down with and we both decided we want children that's kind of where the journey began um but the the difficulty facing most um i would say for lesbian couples i can't really speak on behalf of gay couples because it's again a different experience but um You've got this kind of, do you go down the private route and do it do it yourself, find someone to support you in, you know, find a, a sperm donor? Or do you go the expensive route, <laughs> basically? Um, and it's really hard because both routes have difficulties. So you can go down the route of finding your own donor and, and then you don't have the high costs. But then you don't have the legal security that you do when you go through clinics because when you go through a clinic you don't necessarily have to be married and things like that and and that partner will be considered on the birth certificate as the legal parent okay um so we decided to go down the the free route um Mm -hmm. and we found a sperm donor but we decided as a couple we'd like Lola to know who her dad was and where she came from and um, basically that's how um, she came about and Lola um, has contact um, with her, her dad and we see him every now and again and my partner and I are bringing up Lola yeah. and um, the, the only difficulty we have is the fact that um, my partner has to um, adopt Lola, oh, okay. um, which is it's just a pain really um because although we've progressed a lot yeah. the law hasn't progressed quite enough mm. for the lgbtq plus community and and we wanted to go down the route of a clinic um but it was just far too expensive and far too complicated mm. um so yeah it, it's it's really complicated and i you know i've had people um contact me who are saying oh I know someone who's trying you know um a same-sex couple can they can I give them your number and and it and the same conversations are coming up you know the difficulties what do we do do we go down this route do we go down that route and it's and it's really hard there's no easy way of of doing it to be honest um yeah it would
0: be very hard to just give a prescribed bit of advice wouldn't it because as you say each individual
1: couple it would be very much easier if um, it was made affordable and Absolutely. it was made, you know, because um, in terms of the doctors, um, you can't, you're not, you don't class as infertile. So therefore you aren't um, given that treatment, but without that treatment, you cannot just miracle, you know, make a miracle. And then if you do go your own route, then people judge you for that. Um You know, and actually uh, you're backed into a corner, um, which which is really difficult, but it shouldn't put people off um, starting families because, you know, it's the most amazing thing. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but the most incredible thing. And, And I spent many years. Um, very depressed and very upset and really struggled with jealousy of of seeing all my family and friends having children and me desperately wanting them and and knowing it wasn't going to be that easy. Um, So I I joined a few groups for support with that, but it was very much more the kind of infertile groups because Mm -hmm. they, they knew what it was like not to have, there wasn't really any support but someone in my position who was able to have a child, as far as I knew it, but didn't have the means to do so. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it was interesting and difficult, and it's had its you know ups and downs. But um, we're incredibly excited to expand our family um, in the future. My other half is going next. <laughs> nice. um, so yeah, she's really excited about that. Um, and so are we, but we've just got to get a few more pennies in the bank, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, and we'll be there. You oh, can embark on that journey. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, expensive so having kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I can app- completely appreciate that, and you know, I wish your partner lots of luck with that, and I really hope that you know you expand your family in the way that you, you, you want. So, thank um, you. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. I just wanted to pick up on something you said about judgment there, because I know that. Um, parents do quite often feel very judged and I think probably from the minute um, the pregnancy occurs to you know going through breastfeeding and going through bringing up if if that's what you choose to do and then going through um, you know actually parenting I know that you know, when we talked last week, you did mention about how you felt judged by certain healthcare professionals, especially when you were going through that breastfeeding experience and trying to, sort of wean her off. Mm. Um, do you want to talk to us a bit about what kind of judgment you've come up against in that respect?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think every parent, particularly mothers, <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> yeah. will feel judged at some point. And, and it does tend to start, like you say, from pregnancy, you know, with the, yeah. the choices that you decide to make whether you're going to have a c-section or not whether you're going to have an epidural or not you know um yeah. and for me um the biggest judgment that i i found difficult was through the breastfeeding um, experience and for me actually it wasn't the beginning um i felt like i had such um a great support from the healthcare providers and from friends and people online with how to start and um, the issue was when we passed the six months stage um, and I suddenly realized without having had any um support or um any information that I was expected to have stopped breastfeeding at six months um and and that purely came from for example I would I rang 111 I was a bit poorly and I needed medicine and at that point I said ah, I am breastfeeding and I was asked how old's your child or your baby and I said she's seven months or something oh you're still breastfeeding well and I and I had this and it was it was a male caller it was lovely but I had you Mm. know he was giving me his own experiences about how his own children um you know they stopped breastfeeding at that point and 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 I just felt incredibly I felt almost lectured at, and and I felt embarrassed and I I I felt like I was doing something wrong and as a first time mum want to do things right. Um, and I had a similar experiences uh, occasionally when I went to the GP and then also just around and about, you know, um, if if Lola needed to breastfeed whilst we were out in public, once you get past that sort of six months and they get slightly older, you're very much conscious of who's around you and who's looking and who's judging, especially, you know, around friends and family. And actually I I was quite lucky because most of my family and friends were quite supportive and weren't judgmental, but I knew what the thoughts were out there. And, and occasionally, you know, the whole, well, she could stay over or she could do this if she wasn't breastfeeding or Mm. so it was kind of indirect and, 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 and and i and i felt so frustrated by it because i thought you as from pro, from the professional side of things you really wanted me to do this and you put all your effort into it and then i was really successful at it and then you expected me to stop which is actually really difficult when your child has had nothing else but breast they've not had a dummy they've not had a comforter they've not had a bottle because they didn't take it and then suddenly you're supposed to take this thing that gives your child comfort. And also, you know, the World Health Organization said feed to two and beyond yeah. is good yeah. for them, especially yeah. with the pandemic, with everything going around. You want to make sure your child's immune system is as strong as possible. Um, and yeah, it was incredibly difficult. And I felt the older she got, the quieter I got, the more covered up I'd got get the more you know places I'd hide and the more I wouldn't talk about it and uh, you know and it's, it's simple but someone would say oh you're still breastfeeding you know and that still is so loaded it's so loaded because it's it, you know insinuating you know oh you should have given that up by now isn't she a bit old for that you know and it's the same sort of on social media because there's a few big players out there who are doing a really good job for, for breastfeeding mums um but you only have to look at the comment section to know how a lot of people feel about it and and it's hard not to take that on um yeah,
0: that must feel um like you've been put upon in some way I- I'm wondering, and I think that covert criticism is sometimes the hardest to mm. deal with sometimes you'd rather it just be plain and yeah than rather just someone hide behind certain unfortunate comments so absolutely. I can understand that.
1: And it's not, you know, a lot of it isn't science-based. It's based on their opinion. So they haven't necessarily actually looked at the facts or, or the benefits and, and whatnot. They've just done, you know, because breasts are sexualized. And I think that is the biggest part of our problem as a society, that people just can't switch their brain. <laughs> they, they, they go, well, oh, that's that's for your partner, and you know if a baby has to have it well then that's fair enough but anything past that that's wrong you know there must be something wrong with you and it makes you feel really insecure as a person um when all you're trying to do is just comfort your child and do the best for your child um yeah so yeah it's tricky it is tricky and you know thank you
0: for sharing that i'm wondering if um what you you mentioned there about social media as well? Because I know that you do the Twinkle TikTok, and I yeah. know that you've been amazing at that. And Thank I'm wondering you. how you feel in terms of social media amplifying. because you have experience in that field? Amplifying that judgment online. Mm. What would you sort of say about that?
1: It's a double edged sword, really, because mm. I, uh, there's a wonderful TikToker uh, who promotes breastfeeding and actually she gave me some good advice and that was on a live um yeah. which was kind of a QA session so it was really nice and she actually said that she gets that question a lot um but it it's just really hard because you can't help but click on videos or see videos mm-hmm. and and get and become intrigued as to what people think um yeah. And I don't know, you just, you have to have quite a strong resolve to think, okay, uh, you know, it's the whole, it, it's the way we should be thinking about social media as a whole, really, because it doesn't matter whether it's breastfeeding or, or you know, wh- whatever parenting choice, whatever life choice you've made, there's always going to be people on there that are going to have a different opinion and I think as a parent you've got to just smile and wave <laughs> and go okay yeah. that's helpful that wasn't helpful that was unkind that's you know it's, yeah. it's one of those you've got to if, if you if it's if you're struggling with it then come away that's what I would say if you feel like you're starting to take on these comments and it's really affecting your mental health it's really important to take a break and say, actually, I need a break from social media. And even though it's helpful to me at the moment, the negatives are outweighing the positives. I need to take a little break, restock, remind myself that I'm doing a great job and then come back to it when I'm in the right frame of mind.
0: Yeah, and having that self-compassion is really key, isn't it, when it comes to actually getting through the whole experience? Because if we start condemning ourselves... We start being mean to ourselves and, you know, having a harsh internal voice and that makes the whole experience incredibly arduous and like an uphill struggle. Yeah.
1: And I think, Sometimes when I I think sometimes analysing it a little bit as well and thinking, actually, why are certain mums or certain parents saying things to make other people feel bad about themselves? And actually, when you come to it, I think most of the time it's just an insecurity on their own behalf. They Absolutely. want validation for their own parenting choice. And if you do something that's different to their parenting choice, then you might make them feel unstable about their choice. So instead they dig their heels in and go, you're wrong. Whereas rather than just having a discourse going, actually, that's different to me, but you crack on yeah. if it's working for you. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's the same old story with the bullying. You know, with, with what we tell our children, if you're being bullied, it's quite often c- because they're jealous or they're insecure and they've got their own issues. And unfortunately that yeah. it's coming out in the wrong way. And if you understand yeah. that that's probably what's happening, It makes you feel a bit better about about the whole situation. It's not a personal dig at you. It's actually them struggling internally with their own parenting choices.
0: Yeah, I think it is much easier to dissociate yourself from someone else's viewpoint when you do have that inner awareness. And a lot of negative feedback is actually fairly futile in a lot of ways because it is really based on that person. Who happens to be judging that person's fear or that person's background or that person's yeah. trauma and it doesn't really have a lot to do with the person that they're judging exactly. so I think in a lot of ways it is easier to take a step back when you have that knowledge and when you sort of fully embody that knowledge because sometimes we can sort of know that but not feel it you know yeah. we can know it with our heads consciously but we don't feel yes. it in ourselves so
1: yeah. And that's why sometimes coming away and thinking about it and, yeah. and coming out of that emotional brain, taking away, take yourself away from that situation and then, you know, do with your thinking brain actually what's happening right here. And I also do encourage in a safe environment, a discourse and debate. You know, when I used yeah. to have um, a Facebook group to support parents, I wouldn't shy away from those, you know, triggering, conversations because if if it can be done in a in a a way where people can have different opinions and talk about it actually some people can learn from each other um and go i never thought of it like that actually that's a really good point you know but unfortunately it's not always easy because like you say people think with their emotional brain (laughs) um but if you've got someone in the group like a moderator who can say you know actually I can see this is getting a bit heated let's let's talk like adults um I think it can be really useful to go yeah actually I have a different opinion and we just have to remember that parenting is is different for every single one like I see posts all the time on Facebook um what's your best parenting advice And mine is to take all parenting advice with a pinch of salt. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, because you should listen, but then you should research. And then you should think, does that fit with with how I parent? Does that fit with my child? And then do what you think. As long as your child is safe, there is no right or wrong way of doing things. And we're all learning. And we will make mistakes. And it's okay to admit those mistakes
0: and learn from it and learn from it yeah I think making mistakes is so key because motherhood is such a confronting experience in some ways and it will tap into every dark corner of our unconscious minds but I think also it is a beautiful learning experience and it's also something that an experience that we can really find ourselves within so
1: Mm. I mean there's a viral there's a um uh, quite a lot of popular videos out there for parentings, comparing the first time mum to the veteran mum. And yes. it, everyone loves it because it's so funny because the first time mum is just trying to learn everything and trying to do everything. And by the third child to the fourth child, you're like, ah, I've done this. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. I know what advice that I should take and what I should be in. And you're a little bit more comfortable. Um, I haven't got there yet, but I'm hoping to. <laughs>
0: We're all in it together, I think. I don't think days shift, don't they? Some days I'm like, okay, I'm I'm on top of this, I'm on the ball, I'm doing my own thing, it's all good, and then someone says something or you see something
1: social media like oh no and it's whether you've well. had a good night's sleep or not whether Absolutely. you managed to have lunch whether it, what mar mood your own child is in you know there's so many variables that you're right you know from day to day it can change what you one method you might use one day might be completely ineffective the next day and you have to Absolutely. try something I think, new yeah yeah it,
0: it, it's sort of going back to the drawing board on a daily basis, isn't it? And just sort of being okay with those constant shifts and changes. Mm. I'm just wondering if you can tell us a bit, Kelly, about what you like to do with your little one. What, what kind of things do you, how do you have fun together?
1: Well, um, we, uh, I like to play. I mean, I have experience yeah. in EYFS and, and in Key Stage 1 and also working with babies and toddlers before um, the pandemic and during the pandemic happened and yeah. so um, the pandemic was rubbish for all of us as we all know but yeah. there were also some really good things that came out of it and actually uh, one of those things was me being able to play and create activities for um, Lola and I bought her typical teacher mum for for her Christmas present, uh, when she turned two, I bought her a tough tray, wow. um, which is like a sort of a hexagonal tray with a, a lid that goes around. So it, it's really good for sensory play because it keeps everything contained. Um, mm. And uh basically, yeah, just doing lots of different sensory, messy play. I am the kind of mum who just likes mess doesn't i don't mind well luckily we've got laminate boring so it can all be swept up sometimes i take our sensory and messy play to the bath or to the shower so i can hose it all down easily um but and and twinkle obviously was such a big player um in all of that because there was there's so many different activities you could just print off so we did lots of things like that um so when she started preschool just recently um Actually, her, I guess you could call it her academics. Um, but in terms of EYFS, you know, she's doing really well. We've been working a lot on fine motor control and counting and, and sounds. And we've, I've been following her lead and doing things that she enjoys. And, and luckily, that is what she loves doing. Um, but now we don't have as much time because she's at preschool all day. Um, her favourite thing at the minute is Twinkle Go. So on my laptop she enjoys playing interactive games which is a little frustrating when I'm trying to do my work <laughs> and she's can I have your laptop please <laughs> like, ah, ah, ah. you know I really want her to 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 play the games because they're they're great she enjoys them it's great for her you know ability to use a laptop and and whatnot, but it's yeah. a little frustrating. So I think Santa might be bringing her a little laptop or some ah. and um, tablet, <laughs> so that so that Mama can actually get on with some work.
0: Yeah. I love the tough tray idea. I didn't actually know about that before speaking to you. So that's an amazing tip for sensory play. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. A lot more. It was always the sort of just a secret within EYFS, but I think the pandemic Mm. really helped um, spread the awareness to to parents about the different types of things that they do because Mm. people had, you know, the opportunity to share. And all the parents flooded to Facebook and things like that going, ah I'm out of ideas of what to do with my children you know and then there's people like me saying hey have you got a bag of semolina and some crazy foam make a sensory ocean you know and um yeah it, it's it's great yeah oh
0: amazing well I wish I'd have had you perhaps <laughs> when uh my oldest is 10 well 10 this year um in a couple of months and uh, my little boy is seven so um I missed the trick there. Honestly, I wish I had yeah, you guide me. That's the, the
1: thing because the great thing about like the tough trays and things like that because yeah. the girl um, Lola had her nieces around. They're the only ones that she saw during the pandemic, but things like sensory play and we often think of them for little ones, but their older kids love it too. You know, we did slime. We experimented Yeah, amazing. Um, their mum doesn't do sensory play, so they. They love coming to Auntie Kelly's house because they know, and Aunt- Auntie Kelly gets the messy stuff out. <laughs> um, but uh, kids of all ages love getting involved, but they get involved at different levels, pitched to their ability, which was quite nice.
0: Yeah, so I guess it's adapting to those different family dynamics and knowing that maybe if you've got older children, younger children, you have to adapt the play
1: accordingly.
0: But um, well, over uh, on
1: Instagram, we've got an autumn yeah. play along where we're sharing loads of autumn and Halloween uh, activities. So if you want to get on board with that, you're more than welcome to join in.
0: (laughs) Amazing. How do we find that?
1: So you just pop over to Twinkle Parents on Instagram and um, you will see on our story feed that there is um, a story where it says all the different play prompts um, in October and you literally just tag us in your posts or you just come and have a look and have a nosy and see what we're doing. We do post on TikTok as well, some Halloween activities and and hacks for parents because we need uh, hacks to make our lives easier, let's face it. They're the ones that do... The best on TikTok. That's what we're there for. That's Make my life for. easier.
0: Yes. So come on over to the Instagram. Um, what, is it, what is the app? What is it? Twinkle Parents?
1: Yeah. Basically, yeah. across all social, uh, all networks, social networks, we networks, are sorry. Twinkle Parents.
0: Twinkle Parents across all social networks. So please right. do check it out there. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your story with us. And thank you for being such a
1: delight pleasure. of
0: an interviewee. Oh, um, thank you. Oh, no, you're very welcome. And good luck with everything that happens to you in the future as a family.
1: Thank
0: you very much. Take care. Lots of love. Bye. Take care. Bye. For fun videos, activities, educational content, and much, much more, head to Twinkle Kids TV. Our YouTube channel is packed with ideas to make surviving parenthood a little easier and a lot more entertaining. That's Twinkle Kids TV. Take a look today.